Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. The story of Charles Lewis Tiffany. Born at Killingly, Connecticut in 1812, Charles Tiffany came from a line of early New England settlers. His father, a cotton manufacturer, gave the boy a good education, and on leaving Plainfield Academy, the lad went into partnership with his father. Then, at the age of 25 years, young Tiffany made a great decision. Well, what is this I hear about you wanting to go to New York? Well, Father, I'm getting no satisfaction out of my work. It's merely a means to provide necessity. Well, isn't that sufficient? No, sir. No matter how hard I work here, I never have the feeling that I've accomplished much. Mm. I'm thinking I was wrong when I placed you in charge of that general store we had when you were a boy, Charles. I was very happy there, Father. I made that store pay for itself. I'm sure I can do the same again with one in New York. I want to try out some of my ideas I have with hardware and gifts. There's quite a market in New York. How do you know that? I've been keeping in touch with John Young. Yes? My intention was to go into business with him. I see. How much money have you and John? Just a few hundred dollars, sir. And you expect to buy enough merchandise with a few hundred dollars to start a gift shop? Absurd. I think it can be done, sir. Well, I don't. And to prove it, well, I'm going to let you go right ahead. And what's more, I'm going to help you. Help me? Yes. When do you intend leaving? Tomorrow, if possible. All right, sir. Yes. Now, I'm going to make out this check for a thousand dollars. A thousand? Oh, that's very kind of you, sir. No, Charles, it's not kind of me. This is merely a business loan I make. Your failure won't be blamed on lack of funds. There won't be any failure, sir. We'll see, my boy. We'll see. Charles Tiffany and John Young opened a store at 259 Broadway in New York. With careful buying, their slim capital was enough to stock their small sales room with Chinese pottery, artware, bric-a-brac, and stationery. But in the display windows, Charles Tiffany used an artistry that was to make him famous in the years to come. How does the window look from the outside, Charles? Well, it's, it's not right, John. Hand me that piece of white silk. I think if we put that blue vase in the center to stand on this and use the black velvet as a base, it might set it off properly. Let's try it. All right. I'll get those lacquer boxes out of the way. Well, that'll be enough room. This vase isn't the most costly thing we have, but it's a good thing to build around. Is that all right? Yes, that'll do. This white silk shows up well against the black. And I think if we fold these corners under, it won't look as if it's been definitely put there for effect. Now the blue Chinese vase. There, that might do it. Mm-hmm. Let's go outside and see. All right. Well, that, that looks fine to me, Charles. Yes, I think it'll do. Do you see what I mean, John, when I say everything must have its setting? Yes. Yes, I think I'm beginning to understand. Whatever we put in the window must show to the best advantage. If we're going to catch the eye of the passing shopper, we must look on each displayed piece as a separate jewel and give it the setting it deserves. of display was one of the secrets of Charles Tiffany's rise to fame. The opening of that store was a great success. 
Broadway soon caught the habit of going to Tiffany and Young for gifts, and the partnership was further sealed when Tiffany married Harriet Young, his partner's sister. In 1847, new quarters had to be found, and the firm ceased most of its importations and began manufacturing its own gold jewelry. A year later, Charles Tiffany's peculiar business foresight came into play. At dinner one night, he discussed a proposition with his partner. Tell you, I can't see it, Charles. Why spend a great deal of money in Europe when their markets are all unbalanced? That's just the reason I think it'll work, John. Europeans have been putting their money into precious stones instead of into banks. And now the French banks are going to start closing up. The aristocracy will need ready money, and consequently, they'll sell their jewels. I think you ought to be over there, John. When they come into the market, buy them up. But it'll mean tying up so much of our capital. If we need more money, we'll borrow it. We have a representative there with cash. We'll be able to pick up priceless heirlooms and historical jewels for a fraction of their value. But good heavens, man. When can we realize any profit on the stuff? Within 30 days. 30 days? Why, it'll be a year, two, three, before the European market can recover sufficiently to buy the jewels back. Quite right. But we're not interested in Europe. Oh? No. We're going to create a demand for every piece we buy. Where? Here. Right here in America. Oh. Ah, yes, you mark my words. In 30 days, the American women will be in a mad scramble for historical jewelry. Priceless heirlooms of European aristocracy found their way to New York. The zone of diamonds worn by the ill-fated Marie Antoinette. Part of the famous Esterhazy diamond collection, and later, one-third of the French crown jewels at a cost of around half a million dollars. And the American public began buying. Then, in 1861, New York heard the early mutterings of civil war. Charles Tiffany's foresight and staunch patriotism did much to help the Union cause. As the first shot was fired, Quartermaster General Meggs had a visitor. Tiffany? Sorry, I can't give you much time, but you insist that your business is important, so... Yes, it is important that you see these models I brought with me, General. Models? Yes, a complete set of models of the up-to-date equipment in use by the French Army today. Equipment? Yes. My firm is ready to supply immediately anything that the United States Army might need, from identification badges to ambulance. Mm. Well, this is important. Furthermore, sir, my agents in Europe can obtain all war materials that cannot be turned out here. In short... My firm, together with its workshops, is at the command of President Lincoln. During the war, Charles Tiffany's patriotic public speaking did much to aid recruiting. And in 1863, many pacifists blamed him when the government began drafting men into service. Riots broke out in New York, and the city was in the hands of a maddened mob with the police powerless to interfere. Charles Tiffany stood by his store, knowing well that the mobs would eventually attempt to destroy it. Uh, better see who's there, John. Make sure before opening the door. All right, Carl. Who's there? It's Rafferty, Mr. Tiffany. He's over the Rafferty. Come on, let him in. Yes, let him in. He might have some news. Hello, Mr. Young. Hello. Uh, the mob's heading this way, and they're oh, armed. Oh, sounds bad. Uh, they've already burned two whole blocks. They moved your valuables out yet, sir? No. Well, uh, you better get them out faster. That mob is heading straight for your store. Well, they'll have a warm reception. We've made our own bombs to hold them off. Listen. They're coming up Broadway. Hear them? Too late to move the silver off now. Oh, it must be moved. Obey! Oh, yes, Mr. Tiffany. Have you loaded those cases of silver bullion under your wagon? No, sir, no, sir. They're in the shipping room. Shall I load them? Have you a tarpaulin cover for your wagon? Yes, sir. Then throw on some empty cases and cover them over and drive around to the front. And tell the clerks in the storeroom to load the silver cases on a hand truck. Quick! Oh, all right, sir. No, a hand truck and 
slide through alleys without having to turn into the streets. If we sent the wagon out loaded, or the crowd would be sure to stop it. Why bring the horse and wagon around to the front of the store? Oh, a decoy. I'm going to drive away just as if it was loaded with valuables. It'll lead the mob in the opposite direction. Oh, I wouldn't do that, Mr. Tiffany. I tell you, they have guns, and they've done a lot of killing already. Well, someone has to take a chance. The silver can't remain here. Wait a minute, Charles. I'm coming along. All right. Oh, Banks, do you think you can push that hand truck as far as my house and keep to the alleys all the way? I think so, sir. Good. Go to it, and good luck. That mob's getting close. Climb on, then. Hold tight. Good luck to you, sir. Are they shooting at us? Yes. Hold on and keep your head down. Get up, Meg. What are you doing? We're driving right into them. I want to reach that corner before they do. It might send them out down a cross street. Hang on. Hold on. I'm going to send that corner on two wheels. Tiffany display of domestic silverware gained the first award at the Paris Exposition. The royalty of Europe vied with each other in conferring honors upon him. November 30th, 1891. A celebration is taking place in the home of Charles Tiffany's oldest son. At one end of the table, a white-haired man and woman sit hand in hand. A hush falls over the happy gathering as the aged couple rises, fingers still entwined. My dear family and our friends, you've been very kind in your little speeches, especially to me. You've all referred to a certain business foresight which I am said to possess. But it has been left for me to refer to the foresight I employed when I chose a wife who could put up with me for 50 years. <laughs> Harriet, my dear, I'm grateful to you for the great courage you have given me on this long road to success. Ours has been a great career. And I say to the gentlemen present here that the wife of a businessman can play one of the greatest parts in his business. What man has ever been a success without the inspiring loyalty of the woman who loves him? But there's also the other side, Charles. Huh? The other side, my dear? Yes, the wife's side. Charles has been the most wonderful partner in this business of life that any woman ever had. Thank you, my dear. Well, friends, words can hardly express our appreciation for all the beautiful presents you've brought us tonight, our golden wedding anniversary. We wish to give thanks to the master goldsmith for his gift of this long and happy life. of Charles Lewis Tiffany is engraved deeply on the history of American business. It is written in artistic lettering for the man who built the foremost jewelry house of America was one of the founders of the New York Society of Fine Arts and a trustee of the American Museum of Natural History. 
His affiliations in the artistic societies of America were many, and those who knew him point with pride to the great line of unbroken friendships that were his. At heart, he was an artist, yet he will best be remembered as Charles Lewis Tiffany, Captain of Industry. Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.